we're going to be talking about Mile 22, The Meg, and The Spy Who Dropped Me. Basically, all the shit you got in August. Sharks. And welcome to this is me stumbling all oh, the way. For fuck's sake. <laughs> I'm sorry. You know, one day, one actually, we did have one episode where yes, you did. let me talk. It was the, the and I didn't know what to do. It was the Breaking Bad episode yeah. where I gave you all the room in the world and nothing happened <laughs> because <laughs> I was expecting you to just like come at me like a fucking megalodon. Woo reference. Megalodon reference. Reference to yeah. what's going on in the next segment of this show. Yes, this is what we call the post-summer slump where there's nothing to watch. Yeah. We tried hard to find stuff worth talking about. I mean, yeah. And it was there was so little we have to like lump up just the summary of August. Well, there are things coming up along the way, like yeah. Chin, Mandy, which looks amazing. Yeah, Mandy looks damn good. I, I have a funny feeling it might be horrible, but also at the same time, it might be the kind of horrible that will be at least entertaining. Well, I don't know, because Nicolas Cage, even in his worst stuff, is so entertaining. And it's, who's the director? It's some guy who's done crazy shit before. Yeah, okay, I, the yeah. name escapes me right now. Yeah. But you know what? Yeah, I like the fact that you pointed out Nicolas Cage at his worst because, as an Englishman, how do you feel about the Wicker Man remake? Uh, I didn't watch it, but like, even like everyone else, uh, I've seen the clips. I've seen the clips. <laughs> Not the booze! Ah! Yes, yes. So, of course, this is uh, your co host, uh, Dr. Shafiq, along with. Uh, oh, yeah, Eccentric Tom. And yeah, we didn't do intros. I forgot and, about that. And we're short one today. The short one himself has yeah. uh, decided not to join us. He's out on assignment as usual. Yeah, I mean, it was just like a last minute thing. We said, I have to go, guys. You know, this uh, this off mission won't solve itself. Yes, he is the ship's engineer. So he's yeah. somewhere out there engineering. Uh, Fixing something. I'm sure it's very critical for something, but you know. Hey, that's why I'm the quartermaster. I don't qu- ask things, I just stockpile shit. You know what, just to add even more imagery to this podcast, let's yeah. all just have this conversation and pretend that he's right there. You can see him on the port side window. Yeah, he's, mocking, like, he's tapping on the glass, trying to, get in. <laughs> like, trying to like, say, I've got things to say about the Meg. like, nah, 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 nah. Well, he didn't give a nice uh, full written review on TheLastKing.net, our yes, website, which uh, we would appreciate if you guys uh, gave a visit once in a while. We have articles, you know, we have yeah. ideas. Yeah. Go, not listen, but read us. As you listen. Yeah. Yes, you know, try to multitask, you people. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's good for your brains, damn it. Yes, so Mr. Toffee, speak, speaking of good for your brains, yeah. he's not here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Is that good for your brain? S- sorely missed. Oh, oh, all these sores. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, we'll be going into three movies uh, that is basically creeping up and filling up the, the gaps as we await like the eventual... I mean, it's like we're now entering a time where that we don't have any big Christmas mm. or year-end releases anymore. I mean, we do have a few, but it's mainly um, we've got a lot of Oscar bait stuff. So um, I know that uh, Beautiful Boy, which is a book adaptation, which is definitely going to be another Oscar bait. Yeah. Starring Steve Carell and Timothy Chalamet. No, Steve. Oh, Steve Carell. Yeah. I love him in Foxcatcher. Yeah. No, I think he's trying hard to get that uh, Academy cred, and he's a really good dramatic actor. He is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, even uh, Dan in Real Life, which is you know not a fantastic movie, I appreciated what he was trying to achieve with that. I've always no- I, I kind of noticed that when he did uh, Little Miss Sunshine. Yeah, like, no, he was fantastic in that. Yes, everybody was fantastic in that. Even the little girl whose name escapes me right now. Uh, I was about to say Chloe Grace Moretz. But no, no, it's not. That's, that's Hit Girl. It's uh, oh god, I'll remember just when uh, it starts with B or something, right? Yeah. Uh, no. She, 
she's looking pretty. I think she's still acting now. She's uh, grown up uh, now, so she's filled up. Yeah, <laughs> that's not what I'm trying to say. <laughs> I was trying my very best to not come across as a creepy perv when I was trying to say that. Nah, you you've said all you wanted to say about young people in our skyscraper review. <laughs> Anyway, speaking of young people, oh Jesus! Uh, so, shall we just get into uh, the Meg and stop uh, like this weird banter? Yeah, sure. Okay, so the Meg happened. Yeah, and um, well, you saw it. I refused to watch it. No, I didn't refuse to watch it. I looked at the poster, I looked at the trailers, and I thought to myself, "Yeah, this will you not." Couldn't justify the credits you get from uh, your uh, this doctor's w- <laughs> uh, position. This will not add to my vernacular in any important way no. at all. <laughs> yeah. So. I, the premise is it's a shark movie. What do you want to know, have for a premise? Well, it's not just a, a shark movie. It's a big prehistoric shark uh, movie. It's a gigantic sci-fi-esque shark movie, and we have the best guy for the job to Jason stop Statham. Him. Jason Statham. I'm Jason Statham. What, mate? I'm gonna kick a shark. And then a pretty famous Chinese actor, Ting uh, Ting something. Fan Bingbing. Fan, yeah, that's the one from X Men. Which one was she? She was the one who blinked. Oh, she's blink. Yep. There oh. you go. I thought I recognized her from somewhere. There you go. Oh, there we go. So, uh, the Meg is a story about a prehistoric shark. So, uh, the film starts with uh, the setup that uh, Jason Statham is a deep sea rescuer. Say that again. Deep sea rescuer. So, what's the official title? Is he chief deep sea rescueologist? Maybe. <laughs> sure. But. Uh, it starts with them trying to rescue people in a nuclear submarine, which has been hit. And uh, as he's trying to rescue people, there's something hitting the sub and it's starting to collapse. Okay. And then, you know, he has to leave his two crew members behind to save, you know, the rest of the people they've rescued. And as they're pulling away, they imply that he sees the Megalodon. And then uh, wants to go back to the surface, he's discredited and he goes away to get drunk in Thailand because, you know, no one believes him. Mm-hmm. Fast forward two years, and then this crazy billionaire has funded this huge underwater um, research lab. Okay. Because I guess that's what billionaires do these days. Instead of like fast cars and women, they... Or creating social media platforms. Yeah. <laughs> or calling uh, rescue divers pedophiles. Mm. Yeah. We Shout see- out to Elon Musk. I still want your technology, sir. No, no, I love your technology. Just keep your fucking crazy to yourself, please. Hey. So, uh, and then uh, they... The main thing that they're trying to contrive is that they think that there's a part of the Mariana Trench which is deeper than they thought previously. What? And like there's a layer of like sulfur something kind of like keeping it trapped and they penetrate it and then that's where they get attacked by the Megalodon and they have to go get Stephen to rescue the people who are trapped down there because he used to go out with one of the women who's trapped at the bottom of the sea and his his best friend who is her current wife comes to find him to say, please come rescue for all time's sake. And he says, all right, fine. And then in the rescue, the shark uh, gets released and then they have to go kill the shark. And that's half the movie done before we actually have the good shark killing shit starting to happen. So is a lot of setup for the first half of the, I mean- Yeah, it- it, that, that's set up spread out over a good 50 minutes of the so movie. So we don't see the shark until halfway through the movie. Yeah, well, we see, like, glimpses of it, and then we we see it, like, look at this little, like, uh, girl playing, and it's just kind of, like, floating there stationary, which, fun fact, sharks can't do that. Sharks have to keep moving or they die. Yes. Because they're prehistoric messes. So if current sharks can't sit still, 
a pre-stroke shock, sure shit, can't do that. Especially one of that size and that kind of metabolism. We're putting exactly. science. We're putting way too much science into a movie that doesn't deserve this kind this of attention. This movie <laughs> is trying to be scientific. It's having its really? its test tube cake and eating it. Okay. And uh, then we have like the first big set piece, which is them chasing it with a boat. And it was fine. It was cool. But the thing is, is that this movie is a PG thirteen. Uh, I mean, but it wasn't Jaws also PG. Uh, but yeah, Jaws it's it's a nineteen seventies PG thirteen. Yes, I remember that. Like, remember Trailer the Pink Panther? That was a PG movie, and there were two full tits for a good minute on TV. Yes. Oh, on TV. <laughs> oh, on oh, sorry, on uh, on film. Mm. Because you, know, you could just get away with shit in the seventies. Yeah, I mean, it was a different time, boys yeah. and girls. So here's a, one of the major comparisons I'm gonna definitely be making because when you when you comp- when you make a shark movie, yeah. We're not going to compare you to Sharknado. No. We're not even going to compare you to Mega Shark versus Giant Octopus. We're going to compare you to the first original blockbuster, Steven Spielberg's directed Jaws. Yeah. Because it's, it's strange to think of this, like, there's so many sh- shark movies. There are a lot. And the thing is, they still kind of fall under the horror category. Mm. But also, like, I mean, do you think this is significant enough for it to, like, have its own micro genre? Like, should we call, like, these are shark movies? Shark exploitation. Shark exploitation? Well, uh, yes, they, they do die at the end most of the time. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, um, it, they're a very easy, uh, kind of like horror creature to have. Yeah. Because we are in a world where we're utterly helpless when we're in their world. Exactly. Like, when you do have movies set in, like, in just just in the middle of the ocean just yeah. like even simple movies of people stranded out at sea that's terrifying enough to know that you're surrounded by all this water that you can't drink and you're gonna die under the sun yeah and then you also have you know just a thing which is utterly at home in a world where like you have literally nothing like you can't see you can't breathe you can't eat and it's just patient as fuck just waiting for you to collapse and not just that because it's like it's literally a giant mouth yeah <laughs> and this is literally a giant ass mouth mm. And so that's just a setup. And then the rest of the story is like, you know, they kill a shark halfway through the movie. You think, okay, so there's a second shark. And that, but they wait a good 10 minutes before the second shark appears. There's another one. Yeah. And it comes and it eats the first shark and then it carries on eating. I don't know what kind of metabolism these megalodons <laughs> are meant to have, but they're hungry motherfuckers. Well, you know, they're like the rock on cheat day. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I've seen the Instagram picture of The Rock eating a giant shark on his cheek. <laughs> what? <laughs> Interesting like, comparison, like, sir. Have you seen that picture of like that stack of like 24 pancakes and like... He didn't eat all of that. It's just for the gram, did. sir. He did. Jeez. Was it a video or was it a picture? Picture, but that I'm sure that dude eats it because have you seen the weights? He, have you seen the man? Yeah, but it's like, I believe he... Well, yeah. He probably burns 2,000 calories just... Waking up. No, he he burns two thousand cal- calories raising an eyebrow. Yeah, <laughs> it's like he's such an inefficient machine. Like, no, no, too efficient, sir. Too, yeah, he is, his his body is a furnace. A furnace. A furnace. 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 I'm sorry. A furnace. Can we just do the entire review in Jason Statham voices? No, I cannot. No, you know. Okay, tell you what. I'll play Jason Statham sure. and, and ask me anything about my motivations and why. So, Mr. Fe- Statham, why did you uh, agree to do this movie? Oh, fuck yeah. I got nothing else better to do. I'm Jason Statham. Like, Guy Ritchie doesn't pick up my calls no more. That's very unfortunate. <laughs> so, uh, how do you feel that you had a chance to finally punch a shark? Oh, it was amazing, man. Yeah, it's like I've always wanted to punch a shark. 
Am I losing you, the Jason Statham? You're going very Australian, uh, Mr. Statham. Uh, yeah, I've been in Australia my whole life now. I'm, I'm Hugh Jackman now. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm such a great actor. I can play Jason Statham. Oh, wow. You are <laughs> fabulous, Mr. Jackman. Thank you. <laughs> Have you seen me in the Wolverine? <laughs> Shout out to Abfab Jackman uh, from Jackman. last season. Uh, from last season, yes. A character that needs to come back. Absolutely. <laughs> Along with pilot Tom Hardy. Like, hello. I'm Tom Hardy. <laughs> hello, I'm Tom Hardy. Yes, I, I would have taken out the shark just by glancing at it. Yeah. <laughs> My eyes are so powerful. So, before I start slamming this movie for the piece of shit that it is, I'm going to talk about a few things which were not bad. Really? Yeah. Um, so, the pros before the concert. Let's uh, go. Yeah. Uh, the two leads, uh, Safem and uh, Bing Bing. What's fun it? Bing Bing. Fun Bing Bing. Isn't that a great, a great name? It's a wonderful name. It's so fun. They, <laughs> they are Bing. fun to watch. They have pretty good charisma, even though... You know, English is definitely not her first language, and yeah. I don't think it's Statham's either. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't fight me, Mr. Statham. I do like your movies. What would his language be? He speaks Cockney, right? Yeah, Cockney is his first language. That's just Cockney, right? Yeah. Just sometimes it's cock. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, they have like a kind of like a will they, won't they thing going on because, you know, he's single and her husband went to live with a model in Taiwan, I think is their story. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the uh, thing is, it's the will they, weren't they, where they end up not kissing, but they agree to go on holiday. You know, I together. think it's because of the Chinese producers. Like, we can't have our women kissing the white man. Yeah. Although, will imply it because she full on perves on him coming out the shower. She's like, oh my God. She does that? Yeah. Mm. And it's just kind of like, okay, good on you for getting a woman who's obviously in her late 30s kind of squealing and, you know, Losing her control around, you know, an obviously attractive man. Maybe she, it wasn't Jason Statham. She just shot the shark. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know, she's probably like, oh, so much shark fin soup. <laughs> Although, having said that, there is a scene in the movie where... They, they eat the shark? No, they come across a boat that's been uh, destroyed and it's full of all these uh, finless sharks. Okay. And it's time for the lecture, boys and girls. Okay, let's go. Eating shark fins is very, very bad, even though it's very Chinese endangered doing species. it. Yeah. Yes. It's definitely an attempt by the, uh, I guess, the liberally in uh, uh, China Wood or whatever it's called, uh, saying like, no more shark fin soup. Was this an Alibaba production? Uh, who, who was the company? Who I can't remember. This? But it wasn't the Alibaba logo. Right? No, I don't think so. Alibaba did Mission Possible Fallout, I know. Yeah. Okay. No, it was like two others. There might be another player in China Wood. I think we shouldn't call it China Wood. No, I China Wood very small. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you're allowed to say that. I'm not. <laughs> so thank you for uh, taking charge in that. Uh, yes, you know. Uh, speaking as half shark myself. You yeah. Know. <laughs> <laughs> I shall be very offensive to sharks. I guess half shark. I'm God. half shark. <laughs> yeah. Also, uh, there is a child actor. Mm-hmm. She's not bad. She's kind of sweet. Um, you know, precocious and not the annoying kind of way. Okay, wait. Are we talking a uh, white girl? Chinese girl. Oh, a little Chinese girl? Yeah, and no, she's sweet. She doesn't... Does she have karate moves? No. Like, they don't try and force her to be like a solution in any part of the movie, which I do appreciate. Okay. Like, there's a part where she's in Statham's rescue sub when he's going to go rescue the people. Okay. And you think, please don't insist you're coming in. But no, she just turns on the thing and then walks out and says, see you later, crazy man. It's like, okay, that's kind of cute. And uh, there's a part later where um, the people get capsized and uh, she's in the water with a black guy using, I can't swim because, you know, Chinese people are racist. <laughs> <laughs> so Rain Wilson's also in this movie. <laughs> uh, yeah, playing 
Like you think that oh you know he's a smart technician dude just doing something. Because he wears glasses. Yeah. <laughs> but then he goes out in the water and he becomes full on stereotype black man. Like oh hell no I don't want to bother you with these crazy shark motherfuckers. Ray Wilson is not a black man. Ray Wilson's the white guy from the office. Oh oops. <laughs> but there's a black guy. There is a black guy. Yeah. Because if everybody re- recalls that uh, amazing shark movie Deep Blue Sea when Samuel L. Jackson gets wiped out by a shark. Yeah. Like, yeah, we need to check that, that that tick box, right? But no, he survives. He survives? No, the fat white guy and the dumpy Japanese guy get eaten. Mm-hmm. And the rich prick, uh, the guy who set up the uh, lab in the first place, who's kind of responsible, he gets eaten trying to kill the shark by dropping death charges. Death charges? Okay. Uh, because How's that going to help? Because they can't just shoot it because no harpoon is big enough. Mm-hmm. So they're trying to like bomb it. So they bomb a whale and then there's like a shark feeding frenzy. Then the sharks go away like... Oh shit! And here comes a big shark, and it chomps first the whale because, oh, I'm safe. And then like the he's, as he's holding a shark carcass, the whale carcass, the shark eats him, and you just like see his head just sitting there like twitch, twitch. Oh. And then that's how he dies. Well, you know what? Since we're talking about the pros of this movie, of which there are a few, I hope. Uh, there are a couple, and uh, you know that uh, beach scene where you see the shark eat people in the trailer. Mm-hmm. It does happen. In a trailer? Oh. Uh, For okay. like five minutes. And then it stops because I start playing whale noises. And I guess it's hungry, but it'd rather go for bigger, harder to kill food than easy snacks. I guess so. Well, we, we will never truly understand what goes on in the mind of a megalodon. Absolutely not. We have not done the research. I, I, I'm now imagining a megalodon on a giant psychiatrist chair, <laughs> explaining himself and his, you know, his ambitions yeah. <laughs> and the trials and tribulations. After he loses the race in that Fast and Furious sequel. <laughs> I can imagine a psychiatrist asking the megalodon, so what is your relationship with your dad like? And he's like replying, <laughs> <laughs> Kung, kung, kung. Like, and he eats the psychiatrist. <laughs> That's my relationship. <laughs> no, that would be a fantastic sketch. Okay, here's the thing. I want to ask you basically, um, okay, since we're not going to talk about all the good things, how are the kills, sir? Anything imaginative? No. No. And here's the thing. It's bloodless because as I said, it's a PG-13 mm-hmm. because it was a Chinese production and from what I can understand, they don't have the same kind of like bloodlust that a lot of American uh, moviegoers have. Okay. So, you know, a lot of American movies are bloodless because they're trying to sell the kids and to Republican housewives. I mean, it's just generally more exciting when you can go in with the anticipation of like, okay, how does this person get taken out? You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, and here's the thing, is like, there's a lot of named characters who don't do much, but they don't die either. Mm. Like Ruby Rose, soon to be Batwoman. Wait, this is, is a there. Chinese production. Yeah. Her name is Luby Lose. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she is there for no particular reason but she doesn't she, die she's there for the hashtags she's there just to get you know his name recognition yeah it's like it's basically like having T.I. in Ant-Man what yeah. does he do he's just there yeah it's like the father of uh, Bing Bing dies from head trauma rather than being eaten by a shark okay like when the boat capsizes after being hit by the shark he hits his head on an anchor and then dies later from like I don't know blood force trauma to the back of the head you wanna know something else yeah that's also how he named his daughter <laughs> he got hit on the hit twice, bing bing. Oh, and then my daughter, bing bing. <laughs> that was so fun. I shall call you fun, bing bing. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Please direct all of your hate mail to Dr. Shafiq. I had nothing to do with that setup. Yes, yes. <laughs> no, you you were the setup. Thank you w- so much, sir. Oh, my God. <laughs> you lined it up perfectly. Okay, so um, that's all the good thing I have to say. This movie is dull. Yeah. This okay. is a movie about 
a big shark and I was bored. Really? There was not enough big shark and they spent $140 million on this movie. This is probably one of the most expensive shark movies ever. It probably is the most expensive shark movie. Yeah. Because, you know, I think even just for inflation, Jaws was done on a shoestring budget. Yeah, and it was it was a day. No, it was not really his debut, but it was I think it was one of his first big projects. But it's like one of the most successful movies of all time because yeah. for the for that shoestring budget and the um, and like the fact that Jaws is the movie that created the term blockbuster. Yeah, because people were literally lining around the block to like buy tickets to watch this movie. Yeah, it was such a cultural milestone, and the fact that it's from 1970 whatever I think 78, 74, 77. Uh, my bad. Yeah. And you have to understand is like, you know, after that came like the other juggernauts like E.T. and Star Wars yeah. and stuff like that, right? So like, yeah. This it, was like the training grounds for the Spielberg would come to know and love. Yeah. and But not only that, it's like, okay, like Spielberg, uh, he is a masterful director and he took the source material. I mean, I'm pretty sure everybody read the book and thought, yeah, let's not do the book. Let's just make a short movie. Yeah. And like, you know, I mean, you can see his influence and inspiration. Like, he did the, I mean, technically, like if you want to like mention the first Jaws movie, like what made it so effective was they did that old Hitchcockian thing of like don't show the monster until yeah. you need to. Probably like, because you know the animatronic was broken and it's very hard to exactly. get a shark to perform. So I mean, like getting the shark to perform, ah, shark Viagra. Yeah, but, I mean, like I'm <laughs> just imagining like a shark diva right now refusing to get out of its trailer. <laughs> no, the trailer is a giant. I demanded freshwater fish. <laughs> <laughs> the the shark trailer is basically a giant fish tank with wheels. Yeah, <laughs> it's like we know you're in there. We can see you, and so it's just got its back turned. No, and then it's got these diva windows that you can just pull. And yeah, come. and they send in like a like the best boy to try and get him out, and he gets eaten. The best boy. <laughs> anyway, uh, but yeah, I've been going on again. Like why I always will make comparisons to something like Jaws is like Jaws is a movie that was built on accident. Yeah, everything went wrong, but still, just through like you know, him navigating like problems with the animatronics, problems with the actors, because I, if it, anybody knows, Robert Shaw was impossible to work with, and yeah. he just kept fighting with Richard Dreyfuss. Oh, I can believe that. Yeah, you know, I mean, like, and the thing is, what I heard is that he was drunk for real all the time. I'm sure, like, he can't remember being in Jaws now. <laughs> like, you I, were eaten by the shark. No, I. <laughs> I met a guy in Vietnam who used to work in a bookshop. Yeah. And Robert Shaw came in to buy something. Yeah. And he had a, 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 a pile of too many books and he said, we need a bigger bag. <laughs> and he got the most nonplus reaction from him. <laughs> that was amazing. He should be on this show, man. Yeah. That kind of wit. Oh, wasted in a bookshop. Uh, but okay. So like, I'm not going to continuously harp on Jaws because even Jaws itself didn't have any great sequels. Yeah, well, I mean, people enjoy the sequels for what they are. Yeah, they well, Jaws two was kind of fun, but I cannot really. But you can Jaws four is great because it's so goddamn awful. Not because it had Michael Caine. <laughs> yeah, well, Michael Caine was ve very honest in saying I needed money for my house. <laughs> like he actually said that in an interview. Hmm, that that makes sense. Yeah, and it had the uh, uh, Ducky from uh, uh, Land Before Time playing little girl. Oh. Yeah, you heard the tragic story about her. Yeah, I know. I think it was the next year that she got killed by her father. Let's not bring that up nope. ever again. Okay, but also at the same time. Um, so, like, I also want to kind of uh, mention the fact that uh, we've had a slew of shark movies ever since. I mean, like, 
there was a bit of a mini renaissance with like Sharknado and the sequels yeah. and how sci-fi just kept churning out all like, this garbage. Sharknado was great for what it was. I watched it and it's just one you go in knowing it's gonna it's deliberately made to be a disaster. Yeah. It's so fun to watch watch with a group of people like laughing at how bad it is. Not only that, yeah, you gotta go in with a crowd of people willing to shout at the screen. Yeah. But also like but then comes the question, like, didn't we have, didn't we say everything we need to say with Sharknado 1? Why is there two? Because dollars speak louder than words. Bingo, which is basically, like, you know, the best way to describe movies like this is like, yeah, yeah they want your money and they spent a lot trying to get your money. Actually, speaking, like, I wanted to circle it back to, you know, first The Meg, but then also kind of Jaws. Yeah. Jaws is based on a book. You know, The Meg is also based on a book. Oh, no. And it's a book series. And there, there's a part later on in the series where they become friends with the Meg <laughs> and they have to team up with it to kill like another Godzilla? thing. Yes. <laughs> you know what they call the Meg? What? Meg. Oh, there we go. Hi, Meg. <laughs> but yeah, that's the thing. This movie is boring because it takes too long to set up to where it needs to be. Yeah. And when it comes to, you know, the part where you go in to see a shark movie, seeing people die horrifically mm-hmm. they either get swallowed whole or you just see like disappear on the water and then like a small like bubble of blood yeah like you know the bit that everyone wanted to see which was you know the bar where it goes to a beach and starts eating people mm-hmm. that happens for like three four minutes the highlight being there's a guy in that big round ball that like, kind of running around and then the, yeah, or like that floating gopher ball yeah and then he eats it and it's such a funny, like pop noise as uh, all the air gets expelled <laughs> And it's like, you want there to be absolute massacre going on. Yeah, yeah. But no, like the water is spotless when it leaves. Hmm. Like the worst you see is that you see some kind of hot women in bikinis get pulled along on like, like inflatable boys. It just like gets pulled along. Oh, inflatable boys? Oh, uh, boys. No, uh, floating. Uh, <laughs> those bo- floaties. Let's just go. <laughs> those floaties. <It's> like, <laughs> inflatable boys. Like, you know, those like. Uh, you can't do that on the ocean, madam. <laughs> this is a family beach. Like, you know, those like uh, pontoons are kind of floating in the middle of the water. I know what you mean. Like those banana boats and stuff. Not, in, not even banana boats. Like, just like a square of wood floating just in the water. And then you could like sit on there. Okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, kind of like that. So, like, there's. Uh, it starts off with, you know, there are a group of guys sitting there. And then, like, there's a group of women on another one. And it's just kind of like, hey, bro, check it out, bro, in Chinese, obviously. And like, hey, why don't you come over here, beauties? And then the shark starts pulling the women over. So it's like, it's meant to be like, sort of like, what's going on? It's like that moment in uh, Jurassic Park where basically when Novella Sarepto opens the door and it's like, it's trying to give you the implication that, oh, the shark can think. Oh, it's small. No, it's just because it's swimming around, it gets caught in its fin. It's just like, ah, okay. do, 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 look, oh, that's kind of annoying. What's that? This is set up. <laughs> yeah. And. The way they resolve it is the most stupid Hollywood way possible. They didn't blow it up, right? Uh, they tried to, but um, it doesn't. Uh, the the missile malfunctions, so instead, uh, Stephen uses his cut-up submarine to like cut it along its stomach. What? And then, as it's eating his sub, he gets out, stabs it in the eye, and then other sharks come and start tearing it to pieces. Spoiler alert! Nah, nobody cares. Who gives a fuck? <laughs> So it finishes with Stephen swimming away as this Meg is being eaten alive mm-hmm. by a lot of other little sharks, utterly ignoring him. It's like, you know, oh, I'll ignore this titty snack because you know, I've got the fucking mother load here. I mean, why would you just have the breadsticks when the buffet is right there, sir? Have you had breadsticks, my friend? Some of them are amazing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, you bring your breadsticks to the buffet. Yeah, and then... <laughs> That's just how the film ends, you know, with that, you know, he gets rescued and then, you know, him and Baby say, oh, I feel like, uh, let's go on holiday. And then uh, the girl goes, I think my mom likes you. I was like, yeah, no shit, kid. 
Well, yeah, we wrote it to make it seem that as you know, innocent all as this fucking possible. Which is the one, one Hollywood trope I really think should be you know done away with is the the whole oh we went through a traumatic experience now we start a relationship. Yeah, it's like mm. yeah, relationship <laughs> is built on trauma never last. Yes, as we know from uh, another movie like Speed. Yeah, Keanu didn't stick around for Speed too. So there you go. Then again, uh, yeah. I mean, I've got nothing much else to say about this movie. Like, not for your time, four out of ten. Four out of ten. Yeah. So, I, I mean, maybe not four, maybe five, because five I wasn't is a passing marks. Really. I wasn't angry that I spent the money to see it. Ah, okay. But then again, I watched it on a Monday matinee, so it was but much like cheaper. Monday matinee. Yeah. But okay, here's an even more important question: Would you recommend it to our Lasking fans to go and check out the Meg? Wait for the Blu-ray rip on Pirate Bay. <laughs> there you go, sirs and ladies. Uh, Me yeah. advocating piracy. Yes, because please don't shut me down, MDA. <sighs> the Meg. We don't. We nobody asked for it. It happened. If you if you're curious enough to go and see it, go ahead and see it. But I don't. It's not your money's worth it at all. It's really not. Speaking of not your money's worth and bad movies beginning with M. Mile twenty two. <laughs> <laughs> Starring Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, the, the <laughs> double M frets. Oh, there you go. Uh, well, He's considering the proud tradition of killing Asian people. Hey, but here's... Okay, so we, in a, we're going to also talk about Mile 22, another movie that came out. So there was a lot of... Um, I wouldn't even say hype, you know, but there was a bit of expectation because uh, I think one thing we need to also kind of point out that this is the fourth time him and director Peter Burke have worked together. Yeah, because he's done... Uh, the Water Horizon. Yeah, that was actually not bad. That was not bad. And then there was the one before that. Patriot's Day was after. That oh, was about was the, Boston, the okay, Boston okay. bombing. And then there's one more early, which I can't recall right now. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, like, for me, Peter Burke and Mark Wahlberg have their, I don't know, their... They're, they're going through this collaboration phase. Yeah, which is fine. And you can tell that they work well together. But yeah. the problem with this one, which we'll go into murder, is I feel like Peter Berg is letting Mark get away with too much stuff. I would even say that. I would say that um, Peter Berg... Like, he, he's a very hit and miss director Absolutely. for me. Because it's like, I, I enjoyed Deepwater Horizon. I didn't really enjoy Patriot's Day that much, but I see the significance. I mean, I see how that could be a good movie. Yeah. But also, like, so when I was coming into watching this, and then, like, the one thing that got me, well, not even, not not really excited, but, like, interested at least, was the fact that uh, Asia's very own Iko Owai is fresh off The Raid, The Raid 2, and several other movies that you've yeah. probably never heard of. Yeah, basically, you know, uh, you know, the non-Chinese version of Jackie Chan. <laughs> nah, he doesn't hurt himself. He hurts other people. <laughs> yeah, no, he's better at his job than Jackie Chan. <laughs> I would say, yeah. But um, so the thing is, the premise for Mile Twenty Two is, is very straightforward. It's an escort mission. Yeah, <laughs> it's like they're, we, we es get they're escorting a double agent who has a code to trace cesium one thirty nine, which is a real isotope of cesium, but. I don't think it's as lethal as the movie is trying to make it out because there's no Wikipedia page about it whatsoever. No, any movie with Iko Owais, nothing is as lethal <laughs> as Iko Owais. Exactly. And like, okay, one of the problems I have with this movie is the underuse of Mr. Owais himself. Yeah. And he was credited as a fight choreographer. So, I mean, like, going off your point about how Peter Berg is letting Mark Wahlberg get away with things, I think it's worse than that. I think it's them, like, under, like, the thumb of executives who, like, Make another... No, no. It's, what's all these white shots? What's all these tracking shots? No, 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 no. Make it like Taken. Yeah. It's like... It's just jump cuts and fast cuts yeah, and like... It's, no, it's, no. I think it's even like, you know, people saying, the Bourne movie made so much money. Make a Bourne movie. Like, Bourne movie was a product of its time and we moved on because our camera work has gone better. No, I want 
Not a bold I mean, movie. like, this is what I want to say. is like, when executives compare something like the Jason Bourne franchise, and then you compare it to something that actual action aficionados are really interested in. Like Garth like, Evans. Uh, I mean, like, yeah, like, like, I want to compare it to something like John Wick. Yeah. And how, like, okay, the thing is, both of these movies have a very straightforward plot. And it's basically about one person trying to do one thing and just a lot of people getting in his way. Yeah. And, like, so the premise for Mile 22 is basically, it's, it's, it's 22 miles to escort a person. Yeah, and but the thing is, that it's not meant to be like one guy. It's meant to be a team, but the team dies so goddamn quickly and have no chance to be interesting. And then Mr. Badass himself, Mr. Walt Wahlberg, is the only one left who can like you know take care of business. Yeah, it's just like you got Ronda Rousey in to play as one of the roles, and she doesn't do any fighting at all. No, mm-hmm. she dies probably the most pathetic death. Yeah, I don't know. I think she has to go through that uh, that ex- expendable school of uh, you have to pay your dues, you're going to die in the first few mo- movies, and then one day we'll put you in something. Yeah, which is weird because Gina Carano had her chance to like properly shine with uh, Soderbergh. Yeah, but that's Soderbergh. Yeah. So here we have Peter Berg, yeah. <laughs> the other Berg, and Spielberg, and also uh, apparently James Cameron's Iceberg. I'm sorry. Oh my God. So, uh, like, okay, here's my major problem with Mile 22. Okay, there, there is very little redeeming factors. This movie is actually, uh, tonally, it's all over the goddamn place. And also another thing is like, the, there was way, it felt very amateurish to me because like there was this one quirk that Mark Wahlberg had with a rubber band. Yeah, because he's meant to be a man with anger management issues. Like, I'm so intense, the only way I can do anything is if I, ha- if I, if I feel a little bit of pain. Yeah, the thing is, like, he's such an irredeemable cunt of a man. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't mind the anti-hero. Or the, like, no, I mean, it's fine to have an anti-hero, but it's just like, he's just... But mostly anti-heroes get by because, you know, they're kind of funny or you know, the way they quip to people is kind of like, okay, that's an asshole thing, but okay, you're kind of funny. But that, that you're effective or, you, you know, at least yeah. you're not... You're, you're he just spends his entire time shouting at people incoherent messes. Like, he was... <laughs> that Boston accent. Like, he was speaking so fast, I wanted to... Actually, like, I wanted to be able to read Chinese so I just know what the fuck he was saying. <laughs> I wanted to use the subtitles. Okay. I mean, um, well, so... Another thing is, like, this movie felt like a weird throwback to early 2000s action movies. Yeah. I mean, like, when I mentioned Taken, Taken was probably the peak of that kind of yeah. movie. Whereas, like, okay, we've done all we needed to do with this kind of, uh, this kind of editing, this kind of, uh, you know, this, this medium. And it's like, you know, there's already a clamoring by a lot of fans. Like, okay, we want something more like John Wick or The Raid. Yeah, I mean... And if you were to, like, try to tempt us and, like, promise us, like, oh, Eco-Wise isn't here. Okay, we're going to have some badass fight scenes. And, like... No, we didn't. Yeah, the thing is, with Taken, they had to do it because, you know, Liam Neeson was in his 60s already when they did it. You, uh, there's only so much you can do with someone of the age. Like, I mean, I'm sure he's in great shape, but, you know, he can't pull I mean, off wide-angle stuff. he's not Charles Bronson. He's, okay, he's not... Uh, Dale Craig is, what, 50? He was 50 when he did James Bond, right? He's yeah. slightly older than... Like, look at Daniel Craig. That's true. You know what I mean? And like, the thing is, I don't want to compare because it's a little bit harsh. Well, also, Liam Neeson wasn't an action star until later in his career. He was a dramatic actor for most of his stuff. Oh, man. He was in Schindler's List. I know. You know He's what I mean? won Oscars. He's won Oscars. Then he was in Rob Roy. I didn't like Rob Roy. Yeah, because, oh, yeah, because Braveheart was a thing and they needed another movie. Yeah. Well, but, okay, I mean, I don't even want to talk about the story because the story is so, like... It's inconsequential. It's stupid. Yeah. And the worst part is that the movie starts with what seems to be an interesting premise. So the scene where they take down that 
Russian safe house. That was pretty interesting and cool. So I, I kind of like movies which have the kind of, you know, where you see all of the tech being involved in the modern age, where you have, you know, predator drones, you have uh, yeah. heat vision, you have all these big, like you see how a plan comes together because it kind of reminds me of the kind of strategy games I like playing where you can kind of carefully plan and plot out something out and then you see it. But it's also a staple of the modern oh, action movie yeah. because you always need your lock and load section. Yeah. You know, you need to see the team getting together, strapping on their boots and then like putting all the magazines into like uh, magazine pouches. Or yeah. Whatever. And then taking it out of magazine pouch into the thing, locking it, locking it again. Just seeing them cock guns and like, yeah. okay, we're ready. Like, okay, that's, no, that's essential. But, and then like, okay, I do agree with you. Like the Russian, uh, I mean, that, that scene was interesting. Yeah, but like this thing is like I mean when you when you mentioned inconsequential, this whole movie felt extremely inconsequential. It felt like Peter Berg just, I don't know. It, it felt like this he didn't direct the movie like the editor fixed something. Yeah. Like there's also this tinge of like they had probably bigger ideas. Yeah, because I know that Rusty had a lot of her scenes cut. Mm. So obviously, um, I think this was like a salvage mission because there probably was a better script that started out with this. Yeah. And then something just got, went terribly wrong somewhere along the line. Maybe someone wasn't performing very well. Maybe they had uh, budget issues. Maybe something else, something else. Do you think it's also maybe Peter Burke resting on his laurels thinking he could just shit out another movie? For sure. Because, you know, Deepwater Horizon did well. Patriot's Day did very well because, you know, best way to make money in America, make a fucking, you know, my country is for the uh, jingoistic bullshit about terrorists killing people. Yeah, but I enjoyed Patriot's Day a little bit more yeah. than I enjoyed Mile 22. Mile 22 felt to me like it's so pedestrian. It's it's just a horrendous movie. Mm. So, and it's not just like, that's just on top of it. The main thing is that it's going back to the awful part of Hollywood, which is when they just didn't give a fuck about countries outside of the US. Yeah. And just didn't even try to make it feel interesting so why the fuck did the head of security speak like a guy from uh, the eastern seaboard I mean not just that it's like I mean I can't really fault them for their casting or the, the choices they made story wise because like okay I, I kind of like to me it felt like okay this is Peter Berg maybe like trying not to make things too dramatic maybe he wanted to do a big dumb action movie and see yeah. if he had the chops for it he obviously, he obviously doesn't because it's like I mean Deep Water Horizon wasn't an action movie per se it no was, it, was, it was a disaster thriller it was an amazing disaster thriller like just yeah. watching those guys jump off the rig into fires that like into water that was still on fire yeah and it was also because that was actually what happened mm. yeah it's based on what ha what caused the BP spill and then all of a sudden you have this movie and like okay it's like how this is how I felt when Zack Snyder made Sucker Punch like if mm. you if he, if he decided to do his, his thing and at the same time, like you, you can see him work well when it's adapted. Yeah. When it comes out with something. I don't know, was Mile 22 based off anything? I don't think so. No, right? but they wanted to make it a franchise. Oy. I, because, you know, the last thing Warbuck says is, I'll see you next time. I think that's the problem. You know? It's like, especially when you pitch a movie like this to executives and then like you promise them a franchise. Yeah. Then like the thing is, probably then it, it's just shoot shot to spec because yeah. you got to do all the franchise sticks you know you, mm. you, you got to like okay you got to have the uh, action sequences you got to have characters who will survive to the next plot line whatever yeah and when you kill off everyone but the main guy mm -hmm. it's like that only works once and only that only worked in the first Mission Impossible where they killed off the entire team because they had to make up a new team I mean, not just that, that. That's because they had to deliberate, like, you know, divorce themselves from what came before. But it was also, I mean, essential for the Mission Impossible's uh, 
plot line, the big reveal that yeah. you know, the John Voight character was basically he was evil all the time. Yeah. So, but uh, I mean, like the thing is, right? We I can't really say that much about Mile Twenty Two because it just felt so like you know, you know, uh, it's action movie by numbers. Yeah, and it's just it's just the lazy, you know, it's like the height of, you know, American filmmakers not even trying to do their basic research. It's like every non-American is just like the laziest fucking stereotype. Well, the thing is, I think they know who their audience is. They know who their audience is, but that's not an excuse anymore. Like, mm. we've seen big fun action movies who do try to not be that. John Wick exists. We yeah. can just point to that because like, that's what we really want. To give that guy a budget. Give Keanu... Like, John Wick 3 has been announced. Yeah. I'm really happy. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, I don't know. It's not coming out this year. Right? No, it's probably. Next year. It's, like, I think they've started uh, principal photography. I mean, like, yeah. I mean, I agree with you more that this felt more like a salvage mission. Like they probably had something in mind, but when uh, I know they, when they were probably encroaching on deadline and stuff, and they were like thinking, okay, we need to kind of like patch this together and like yeah. push it out somehow. And I feel bad for Laura Cohen. She left a pretty solid uh, paycheck to get into movies. She left The Walking Dead to be in this movie. Oy. So, you know, sucks to be you, I guess. But it, she didn't have anything interesting to do at all. Yeah, I mean, at least... Um, you know what? I feel even worse for Iku Iwais. Because yeah. the thing is, that guy is primed for a big Hollywood movie to yeah. just like launch him into the and stratosphere. You can tell he's been learning English hard because, mm -hmm. you know, two years ago, he had to use a translator in interviews. Now... I mean, maybe he's reading cue cards, but definitely his English is improving a lot. I mean, that's a certain amount of dedication there, right there. Yeah. And the thing is, like, uh, it's like how I felt about. Um, I mean, like, yeah, when you compare him to Jackie Chan, it's like basically like when Jackie Chan arrived in America, mm. like, okay, he arrived very early. He was in Cannonball Run two, wow. and then he didn't really break out until the nineties when he did uh, the one Rush with, Hour. Yeah, with, with Chris Tucker. Yeah. And, but he's made like you know uh, small steps into Hollywood. Like you have to understand, like there was uh, there was Rumble in the Bronx, which yeah. was set in America, which is okay, it's still a Hong Kong production. But you kn you knew he had a, a, like a bigger idea, yeah. And he worked hard to, to achieve it. Then like I see something like Iku Wise, and I'm like, thinking like he can't just like you know he, by himself. Like he was, I mean, the only other Hollywood thing he did. Was that Star Wars cameo? Where he was also wasted as all hell. Yeah, you know, you get the guys from The Raid and Donnie Yen and they don't do that much. Oy, but well, also, Donnie Yen did some stuff in Rogue One. Yeah, true that. You know, he had a great line too, The Force with Smith. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, uh, eco-wise, we're not going to get a Raid 3 anytime soon. No. Because I'm pretty sure Gareth is not that interested in like, you know, pushing this franchise anywhere. Yeah, I think like, he doesn't, it doesn't feel like there's more to be said because he did expand the Raid 2 just enough to where it's, you know, like... I mean, yeah, there's potential for a third movie. Yeah. But the thing is, you also have to understand, like he's introduced like in the Raid 2, like uh, affiliations with the Japanese Yakuza and stuff yeah. like that. So it's like, he probably has a very big movie in mind for part three. I mean, like he he knows himself. He yeah. knows what he's capable of, and he also knows that he needs to top Raid Two, mm -hmm. which had the best kitchen fight scene of all time. I mean, hands down. Yeah, that <laughs> movie was so goddamn intense. Yep. And I love the ending where the bad guy just gets a shotgun to the face. <laughs> just you know, a great way to have a anticlimactic ending. Hey. But also at the same time, it's like, you know what? Uh. Hopefully, maybe Keanu returns the favor. 
Yeah. Because John Wick 3 is gonna happen. Like, since Ico is already, you know, kind of trying to make waves in Hollywood, like, bring him along for part 3. Yeah. I would like to see you and Ico Wise have a proper fight. Because the last thing they met was in Tai Chi, man. Yeah. Man of Tai Chi. No, what I want to see is a three-way fight between John Wick, uh, Ico Wise, and Tony Ja. <laughs> Is Tony just still working? No, yeah. He is right. Yeah, he's not that old. He's in his late 40s. Yeah, but the thing is, like, I can kind of... I feel like Tony just star has passed because, like, yeah. even Quentin, Tarani, uh, Quentin Tarantino, who did his best to promote Tom Yam Gung and renamed it The Protector in, yeah. in the US, like, he was there. He was there to, like, you know, like, hey, this is the next wave of action. Yeah. And then, like, okay, 10 years passed, nothing really happened. And then, like, the raid happened. And then, like, it made a splash in America because... American, like all my American friends, and a lot of reviews yeah. from like from uh, America is like very positive. It's mm-hmm. like this is what we want. This is what action movies should look like. Yeah, because it's it's like there's a sense of elevation. So bring it all back down to mile twenty two. There's a sense of de elevation. Yeah, it's like this is regressing in the worst possible way. And yeah, I mean it's it's pedantic. It's lazy. It's uh not that interesting. And it thinks it's so smart. Like the things that uh, you know Wahlberg is saying, like his monologue, you know, the thing it's like it's oh so smart about you know security yeah. and you know worries about uh, you know safety and you know government responsibility. Go fuck yourself. But here's the, I mean, another thing I also want to bring up is like Mark Wahlberg under a good director. He's good. Yeah. He can do amazing. I mean, like I'll just look back to Boogie Nights or yeah. even like his work in The Departed under Scorsese. You give him a good director, the guy can act. Mm. You know, you give him a Seth MacFarlane, you get Ted too. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, he's the kind of guy who probably, I don't know, I don't know if he's hard to work with. He doesn't seem the type, because the thing is, he's a very hardworking guy. He, he turns out a movie once a year. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think the main thing is that you can't work on Sundays with him. Oh yeah, he's very Christian. Extremely <laughs> Christian. I think he goes to church daily when he's not working. He's the Catholic one, right? Well, yeah, he has like six kids. He's from Boston. Yeah. yeah he's so. like standard... Uh, Boston uh, Catholic trash. <laughs> and was a rapper at one point. Oh, yeah. Feel it. Feel it. Oh, and beat a man to blindness. Let's yes. not forget that. Even though he did apologize to him later. Well, you know, let's not bring up the past because then again, like everybody needs to heal somehow. Nah, I suppose. So, speaking of needing to heal, so the spy who dumped me also came out. Yeah. Oh, do you want to give like the... Re- the uh, review score for uh, Mel 22 okay I'll give it 22 upon a thousand there we go <laughs> in other words uh, about 1 upon 10 which is I think the lowest we yeah, can go yeah don't, don't, don't bother with Mel 22 seriously don't bother yeah like, it's not even uh, so bad it's good it's just bad it's just like you know what was the point of this I mean like something like this feels like a direct to DVD it, it feels like one of those like post 90s Steven Seagal movies like yeah. oh, alright this exists maybe I'll check it it's out it's like when you have to make up a country because you don't want to get any angry letters for offending people but you still offend everybody at the same yeah, time yeah it's like you're obviously setting this in Indonesia stop you know pussyfooting about was it filmed in Indonesia and if everything looked like Vancouver <laughs> well obviously Ey. it's like oh let's make Vancouver look poor <laughs> It really is. Okay, yeah, I, I wouldn't know. I haven't been to Vancouver. Sorry to all our Vancouver fans if you're uh, living the good life right now. Yeah, apparently, it's fantastic. Doors. It was the first um, uh, Canadian state to legalize weed, so you know it's got that going for it. There's probably a good reason just to visit. Yep. Okay, so spy they have dumb. vending machines, bro. <laughs> oh god. 
Yes. Oh, we even have the sugar-free weed yeah. for all you diabetics. Okay. Speaking of uh, sugar-free, Spyro dumped me. There you go. <laughs> so, uh, in our final movie review, uh, Mila Kunis and... Uh, Kate McKinnon. It? Kate McKinnon, uh, our favorite Ghostbuster. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> so, this movie, it it's an interesting one because it's obviously me- trying to make some kind of statements about the women who are with spies. But they ditched that kind of uh, discussion very early on. Because true lies exist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or, you know what? What was the other movie with the other Ghostbuster? Spy. Oh, yeah. Uh, Melissa McCarthy. There you go. She that was movie. actually a good movie. I, I, I giggled a bit. I liked it because Stephen was just so incompetent. And he didn't have to fight a shark. <laughs> yeah. No, it's like, it was like the standard Jason Stephen character. But just what if he just couldn't get shit done? He was just too stupid. <laughs> it was brilliant. There you go. Who was the other spy? Oh, Jude Law, right? Yeah. Jude Law played. Jude the, Law was, he was uh, the Jude, debonair Bond type, right? Yeah, like you know, just exploiting the fuck out of McCarthy. It's like, why is she not field agent? It's not because she's bad. It's just because she's too good and violent. It's like, oh, that's why you became an office worker because you have so much rage. <laughs> well, okay. So, uh, what is the premise for the spy who dumped me, sir? So, it starts with uh, the titular spy. Mm, tits. Uh, there we go. Uh, <laughs> he's walking around uh, somewhere in Estonia. Somewhere just, in Estonia? Yeah, and then he gets chased. And then as he's chasing, we switch over to Mila Kunis looking sad in a bar okay. because it's her birthday. And she's wearing like a Hawaiian shirt from work doing nothing because she got dumped. Oh, so he dumped her on the date yeah. to do the yeah. spy. And then uh, McKinnon comes in trying to cheer up because she's like, you know, the real out there crazy friend. Uh, you know, we all have that. That's a little bit of stereotyping for the Kate McKinnon. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, okay. Yeah, and, uh, you know, she's trying to, you know, uh, cheer her up in the way possible, which is like, you know, being crazy and loud or like, you know, okay. trying to be a good friend, but, you know, Mila's just obviously not feeling it. And then, uh, you know, they later go on to burn all of this guy's uh, spy stuff, and he sends a message saying, I'm burning your shit. And then, you know, even though, like, she's been messaging him, like, 50 times getting no response yeah. like crazy ex-girlfriend stuff mm-hmm. he responds when he says she says I'm burning all your stuff he says don't burn my stuff I'll be there tomorrow okay. and then oh, wait. But has it been established that they have a relationship yeah they like they, boyfriend she, girlfriend yeah okay. she, she's the one who got dumped okay. he's the spy who dumped her uh, who's the, who's playing the spy um, some guy I, uh, he's recognized like uh, Jason something Statham no 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 <laughs> Sudeikis? Uh, no, 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 no. Like, he, Bateman? He's an up and coming. Like, he's been in something else recently. I just can't remember his name. Okay. He's like one of those like up and coming um, little 30s guys. So okay. he he arrives. Um, well, before they arrive, she gets kidnapped at work by pretty boy blonde dude and Hassan Minaj. Wait, he's in this movie? Yeah. As a CEA guy who went to Harvard and he's an absolute asshole. I love it. And he seems perfect for yeah, that. Yeah, it's brilliant because he's such a nice guy in real life when he's playing an absolute dick. It just, it's like, you can tell he's enjoying being mean to people unnecessarily. I can imagine, yeah, I can imagine that he has the perfect shit-eating grin. Yeah, so then that's out of the way. Uh, Spy comes and then he says... Comes? He comes over, <laughs> okay. trying to get the stuff and then he dies. But before he dies, he says, you have to take this, which is like a trophy... Okay. And uh, you have to bring it to this person in Prague. And then, uh, uh, what's her name? Meg from Family Guy. Mila Kunis. Mila Kunis, I came McKinnon. <laughs> oh, the Meg? No, yeah. and then the Meg, the big shark appears. That would be brilliant. 
<laughs> but then I'm imagining the, the Meg wearing the Hawaiian shirt, sitting in a bar like this giant shark, yeah. and then like the bartender is like wiping a glass, like what's wrong? <laughs> it's like I'm here if you need to talk, and he just eats this bartender. <laughs> The spy who ate me. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's a sort of there. Uh, oh, wow. The shark who dumped me would be an amazing yeah. movie. <laughs> Start of the uh, Europe trotting adventure of for Kate McKinnon and Mila Kunis. Wait, so there, what's the, where's the set? Are they in Europe already? Or? Yeah, well, they, f- they start in um, LA, I think. Okay. And then they fly over to Europe and then they just go through Austria, Hungary, Germany, just all around. And then so much stuff happens along the way and okay so it's one of those like in hilarity and Sue's kind of kind of but it's not just that is there's also some pretty intense gruesome fight scenes okay like it's rated um r here in singapore sorry in like the copy we get for the space station is <laughs> yeah, sure <laughs> it's for singapore so it was rated r and there was you know some proper blood happening okay uh like there's a scene later on in the movie where someone uh gets impaled on a spike it's pretty graphic like okay. proper like stab spurt and then there's applause from uh it's it's in a Cirque du Soleil show kind of thing okay so <laughs> oh it's part of the act yeah obviously mm. and uh, I mean I don't want to do play by play because that's kind of boring but it's just like they meet a whole host of interesting characters along the way um you know the two guys who interrogated Mila Kunis at the beginning they show up later one becomes a bad guy the other guy kind of becomes a friend along the way they meet their boss who's a woman and Kate McKinnon has like this weird I love like that, how you say it. oh they made a boss who's a woman no it's important <laughs> because Kate McKinnon goes like foot on like oh my god you are like you're this big boss bitch of all these people and you haven't sacrificed your femininity you are my icon and she's just standing the boss is just standing like what's wrong with you like just get them out of my sight it's like my respect is so much for you I've become I've started objectifying you all over again it's like, because she's a lesbian <laughs> in, in real life is McKinnon a lesbian? Yeah. Oh. What a waste, right? Nah, whatever. <laughs> I mean, whatever. Oh. I mean, she can do whoever she wants. Yeah. Besides, everyone's bi. Uh, anyway, so... <laughs> You're trying to move on from that. <laughs> nah. So, so basically, ex-boyfriend who dumps the Mila Kunis. Yeah, he... D- he I'm, I, I'm just going to call him Mila Kunis from now on, okay? Yeah. And then it's like, basically, okay, you need to get the microfilm to the agency in Prague or something along that yeah, lines. Yeah, I mean, they find out later what it is. I'm not going to... I'm not going to spoil this movie. Because they don't... I mean, does Mila Kunis at any point realize that who her ex-boyfriend was? Yeah, no, he, she, he tells... He says, I'm a spy. I've been burned by the CIA. Okay. And then they go on, on the run. And then along the way, they start learning that they're actually pretty good at spy shit. Like, because... M- Mila Kunis is a pretty good shot because she plays video games. Of course, yeah. I play video games. I'm amazing at range. <laughs> well, actually, no, actually, you have pretty good um, uh, shooting uh, range uh, scores. Yeah. In real life. <laughs> yeah, I used to be a cop. There shit. we go. <laughs> <laughs> Forget. Anyway, yeah. No, but that's so... It's like... Basically, that scene from uh, Shaun of the Dead. Like, they play video games all the time. Of course, they can do this in real life. Yeah, but no, she plays like specifically those uh, arcade uh, machines. Who like, has yeah. those in their houses anymore? She doesn't. It's at a bar that she goes to. Oh, I see. Oh, so she, wait. So, so basically, her entire marksmanship is basically based off the 50 cents she spends yeah, per evening. I mean, because her character is that she's one of those people who kind of just burnt out early on and just stopped trying. Okay. Like she tried to go to vet school, law school, dropped out twice. School, school. (laughs) She's now, uh, you know, just working in a convenience store, uh, like behind the counter. She's just a cashier. 
She's just given up trying to improve her life. Just like in Jupiter ascending or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like, but instead a of per- a person as talented as and as attractive as you could never find work, you know, in modeling or anything, right? Yeah. Like, so, uh-huh. right, so she spends a lot of time just in that bar drinking and playing uh, that game. Which one is it? Do you recognize it? Was it Time Crisis it's or House pr- of the Dead? I mean, it, they probably couldn't afford the license, so it was definitely looked like Time Crisis, but you so, never see the screen. So it's generic uh, just, real shooter. It's like, you know, the camera is behind the screen and you're just seeing like her like pointing a gun. Okay, okay. So that kind of stuff. So that's proof. That is the Chekhov's gun for like how she can be so good with a gun yeah. much later on. Because yeah, all the video games have loads and recoil. Sure. <laughs> But and he, I'm pretty sure they all weigh the same as plastic guns, all these real guns. Yeah. But here's the thing. The movie I kind of enjoyed because the th- Mila Kunis and Kate McKinnon have this fantastic charisma going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way they talk to each other in the movie, you, it feels like they've been friends for like, so the, 20 years. So the chemistry years. is just natural. Yeah. Because you know, Kate McKinnon is naturally a very funny woman. Yes, I and agree. Mila Kunis is, you know, for someone who came to the States not speaking a single word of English and had to learn it in a year. And then star on the, that 70s show. The, yeah, no, then went on to go to uh, UCLA after and, being in that 70s show. And then, you know, being in Black Swan. Yeah. <laughs> like, she actually has, but then again, wasted on, no, I, I get the joke on, on Family Guy that Mila Kunis plays Meg. Yeah. And it's like, and okay. the, the joke is that we have this very attractive actress playing someone that no one likes. Play, playing the, yeah, the the teenage girl who nobody enjoys and keeps wearing the ski hat. Yeah. Sh- sure. I mean, like, I mean, it, here, uh, Mila Kunis, to me, feels like the kind of actress who's like, you got to give her strong roles, but she's not beneath herself to do no, I mean, stuff like this. I mean, like, she obviously chose to do this because she liked the script and probably wanted to work with Kate McKinnon. Yeah, I guess so. And, um, they saw, you know, why I'd have those auto, uh, autocomplete uh, interviews that they do, where they get stars to do the autocomplete of... Um, okay, yeah, I remember those. And you can tell sometimes when there's definitely not good chemistry between the two people doing it, where it's that kind of forced. Like Chris Pratt and uh, everybody's favorite, J-Lo. Yeah. Or J- Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah, it's like, you could <laughs> tell... Like, they don't like each other. Yeah, those two were trying very hard. You could tell, like, they don't talk to each other. <laughs> but she did it with the guy who plays the spy. And they were very naturally just talking very well. So if the if the actors liked each other on set, yeah. it's probably a good movie because it was reflected in their role. Do you know what? I just like to see Mila Kunis in any interview. Did you yeah. see the one where she had to defend Justin Timberlake in Russian? Mm. This is one amazing one where like the, I think like some interview was just being a little bit snarky and yeah. then, like saying something. And, like it's it's uh Justin Timberlake was was it yeah, was it? It was Justin Timberlake, yeah. I think. He, like, he was listening to on headphones and he had problems answering the question. Yeah. And then like Mila Kunis in her fluent as fuck perfect Russian was like, why would you say that? Yeah. Is this how you talk to people? That was extreme. And then she just like, you know, like lambasted this poor reporter in her native tongue. Yeah, it's like, like people forget, oh yeah, no, Russian is her first language. You know, she's probably like, you know, Slav as fuck and she yeah. would fuck a person up. Oh, for sure. <laughs> and like, even like... For no, that, she's from the Ukraine. Like they had <laughs> fucking hard yeah there you go and they look like that Jesus oh yeah but also like there was also another interview I want to mention is uh, when she was doing a press junket for that Oz movie oh yeah yeah where she played uh, Wicked Witch of the yeah, East yeah you know, even in green she said like delicious oh fantastic there, there you go like I'm sorry Zoe Saldana but no the only girl I want she's the ultimate <laughs> green babe she's the ultimate green babe she should play She-Hulk I don't <laughs> know but also actually that's not bad casting nah she's too short 
Ronda Rousey should play. That never stopped Tom Cruise. That never stopped Tom Cruise. (laughs) She hogs. She's walking on Apple boxes the whole time. (laughs) No, I mean like there was this one time when she was being interviewed, and then like basically, uh, like there was this super nervous, like you know, like first time reporter journalist guy. Yeah. Did you see this one? No, I haven't. Oh man, you gotta look for it because basically, like he's like trying his best to be funny, and he's like awkward as hell. And then basically she's like, no, 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 calm down. What do you want to ask? You know what? Don't even bother about the interview. Just talk to me. Yeah. It's like, oh, she's so, I don't know, accommodating. I, I think I saw her interview with IGN and like she immediately understood what that shit was about and just like naturally like, flowed in and started like yeah. dominating the interview. I, I really, really like Mila Kunis and I think she's underutilized as hell. hell. Do you know what the problem is? I not even say the problem. You know what her, her secret is? What? You just fall under the gaze of those beautiful eyes. Yeah. And, like, and she has heterochromia as well. And like when you look at her like on the big screen, it's like is you just can't help but feel mesmerized. Yeah. Anyway, so So Kate McKinnon. <laughs> no, Kate McKinnon is also fantastic, but I shouldn't have to say that. We've seen her be amazing on SNL for years. Yeah, yeah. And I haven't seen the Ghostbusters, but I'm sure that she Don't. Would, No. But <laughs> no. What, was she good in it at least? Not really. Uh, like the thing is, the best thing about Ghostbusters, uh, I can't remember her name. Uh, the, the large black woman. Oh, uh, Leslie Jones. Yeah, Leslie Jones. Leslie Jones was the best part about really? Ghostbusters because basically, like in the trailers, how they kind of advertised her as like this loud, obnoxious girl. Yeah. And then it turns out that she had the best. Uh, she's the only one who reacted naturally to what was going on. Oh yeah, because yeah, get get a black person because they're the only ones who actually realize how shitty situation is. No, not just that. It's like like she actually like when ghosts appear, she actually looks like okay, I'm out of here. This is ridiculous. Why am I? And then like all the other. Like, all the other girls were basically doing the Kevin Feige, just grin and, like, you know, grimace through the thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and I know that that show is, uh, the entire movie was built on a mountain of ad-libs. Yeah. But, like, somehow, like, even through all the cuts and all, like, you know, like, the fine-tuning, like, Leslie Jones is, the, like, the only thing about that Ghostbusters movie that's worth watching. Mm. But, in general, don't watch that Ghostbusters okay. movie. Well, I mean, I'm sorry, McKinnon, I tried. Yeah. But no, she was great when she was playing Hillary Clinton in uh, oh, the God. lead up to uh, <laughs> the presidential election. You know what? I still prefer Amy Poehler's. Yeah? Yeah, P- Amy Poehler, and especially when you tag team her with Tina Fey as Sarah Palin. Oh. Like, that is comedy gold right there. Damn. <laughs> you I should have seen that. Yeah, it wasn't that long ago. I think yeah, you can definitely find clips. 2008, so 10 years ago now. Yeah, you can definitely find clips on YouTube or something. Somebody's yeah. definitely uploaded like Tina Fey as Sarah Palin. Just YouTube. Let's just search Tina Fey Sarah Palin. Yeah, I mean that that's a mental image. And enjoy I'm the. Not ju- I'm not sure I enjoy it or not. She is the hottest woman in glasses to me. I, Seriously. No, I have serious crush on Tina Fey. Yeah, me too. It's like, uh, and it's like you know, I'm I'm just a fan of whatever she does. You know, so yeah. I would love more Kimmy Schmidt. I can't wait until next year. Bye. There we go. Uh, but apart from them, Hassan Minaj is brilliant as just like you know the the smart smirk, like uh, smart piece of shit you work with. Like he keeps on reminding you that they went to a good university. Like Q from the latest Bond movies, that kind of like. No, no, no. Like the Q, uh, you know, Q from the latest Bond movies. Like he's like the smart smarmy, but he kind of like learns to you know okay. kind of keep on the track. No, he's the kind of man who I, I'm sure you've had those kind of colleagues where. They just like try to undermine you in everything they say and do, okay. and just try and remind you that you know they're they're so smart. He went to Harvard, so it's like the perfect superiority complex. Kinda, yeah. Okay. Uh, you know he's fantastic, and um, he has. Uh, this is kind of a spoiler, but he has probably one of the best death scenes. Oh no! They wipe him out. 
but I mean, it's justified. Okay. Um, but it's it's amazing. He like, gets crushed by his diploma. <laughs> you're not that far off, actually. Oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> he gets crushed by the university. Yeah, and uh, they drop Harvard on him. They also <laughs> have like their equivalent of a Jaws, which is this uh, petite Russian um, uh, acrobat. Okay. Who uh, tries to kill them? Like, and she's kind of like uh, the Lady Terminator, like constantly going after them. And like she's m- like the, the the metal blade girl from uh, Kingsman. Yeah, I mean, yeah, kind of, but even more terrifying because she doesn't smile or anything. Okay. Like she's the kind of one who, you know how you have all those uh, teenage girls who go into acrobatics for the Olympics and then they don't quite succeed and then the rest of their life is just trash because, you know, they failed their country. Yes, we saw Itonia. There we go. <laughs> she's like a Russian Itonia who actually broke uh, <laughs> like a the Russian Itonia. I think the word you're looking for is a Russian Tonya. There we go. <laughs> I t- that's not her first name. Sorry, a Russian Tonya Harding who actually <laughs> broke legs. My name is Tonya Harding. I'll kill you now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she's brilliant. And What's her name? Uh, I can't remember her name. She's just like, you know, the acrobat, I think. The acrobat. And there's a particular scene which I think it was really funny for as a European, mm-hmm. which is... Um, uh, she was in the bell tower with a sniper rifle trying yeah. to kill him off and they said you know just saying you're looking for two obnoxious American women one blonde one brunette Yeah. and she's just looking for a sniper rifle and she sees like five different uh, pairs of like obnoxious women doing shit and she just shoots them all no she's just, like <laughs> she sees like two like pulling duck faces in front of like a war memorial yeah. she turns and she sees like two like throwing up into the river uh-huh. she turns again and they're like you know two like twerking in front of policemen and okay. she's just like be fuck's, specific. For sake. <laughs> that, I just enjoyed that because there are a lot of obnoxious fucking tourists in Europe that I've had to just. You There's know, a lot of obnoxious fucking tourists in Singapore too. Sir. That's true. <laughs> tourists are fucking obnoxious, man. Yes. I don't know why. Once you put on the passport and you go to another country, you decide to behave the way you've always been. It's a like jerk. I try so hard to be a nice tourist when I'm on holiday. Okay. It's like, you know, I'm very polite. I keep to myself. I don't get in the way. You don't call room service at 3 a.m. in the morning asking for a roast beef sandwich? Oh, fuck no. Oh, okay. Like, <laughs> even on New Year's, I was just like, okay, I'll just buy some beers from uh, the fridge and not make a fuss and go to my room. Do you realize we're not talking about the spy who dumped me at all anymore? <laughs> I mean, because here's the thing. I enjoyed it, but there's not a huge amount that can be said about it because it's a fairly... The plot is a little bit complicated, but it's just to kind of like, you know, extend the journey that the two main characters go on. Because like... The film itself is fairly simple and it's just enjoyable. It's fun watching two good friends do shit because around like, them. I really want to ask you, because the thing is like, uh, this, similar to something like The Meg, where it's yeah. a movie that's under a, a micro genre. Yeah. There's this thing called the accidental spy genre. Yeah, so, like, it's definitely that. Although they're not bumbling, they are surprisingly competent. Yeah, because it's like, uh, the only thing I can kind of think of right now is like maybe, okay, like the best example for me will always be uh, The Accidental Spy. Yeah. <laughs> and then like, okay, something like True Lies is kind of like that, but it's not That's really. That's the one with Schnorzenegger, right? Schwar- Schnorzenegger? Yeah, Schnorzenegger and Jamie Lee Curtis in her prime. Oh. Have you seen it? I've seen stills. Have you, oh, what, watch it just for the striptease scene. Jamie Lee Curtis in her prime. Oh, <laughs> uh, damn. We're going to see Jamie Lee Curtis later this year. Oh, yeah, in the Halloween. You know yeah. what I love about that? Yeah. She kept her 70s hair. <laughs> it, Brilliant. It, it looked so. 
Like the thing is, when you see when you see Jamie Lee Curtis, yeah. she's got this like old lady, not say old lady, but like this like mature housewife, like short hair. Yeah, the no nonsense haircut. And then you see her in the Laurie Strode wig, and I'm like, oh hey, yeah. <laughs> it's that chick, it's, it's her from Halloween. Oh my gosh, like you know what? You know, yeah, and speaking of women coming together to do franchise movies, there's a Terminator. Sure, Linda Hamilton's comeback. Hey, she looks good. She looks amazing. She yeah. looks like she can seriously fuck you up. Do more pull-ups than she did in Terminator 2. Yeah, I mean, she mm. was pretty stacked in Terminator 2, so... God damn, yes. Yeah. So anyway, The Spy Who Dumped Me. The Spider-Man Who... Uh, spy Who Dumped Me, yes. Uh, I mean, that's the thing. It's just, it was really enjoyable. Okay. And here's the thing. It's kind of hard to pin down because it's kind of a comedy because there's funny moments. Yeah, it's definitely a comedy. But yeah. there's also some pretty intense action scenes. Okay. And they're well shot well choreographed action scenes okay like good fight scenes good gunfight scenes and it's like fluid it's not bipolar where it's yeah. like jumping between two genres but, uh, it's kind of like it, it fits but it's kind of like weird because you think I was laughing 20 minutes ago and I'm watching a high speed chase where a guy who smokes meth just got shot in the head and so they have to kick his body out so they can take control of the car mm-hmm. and then they have to knock a guy off a motorcycle who hits a bus I mean and then we go back to comedies like but there is a genre for that, the black comedy, where but it, like, it's not quite a black comedy. It's just like, okay, you know, you're going, oh, fun, 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 and then you watch someone get impaled on a spike after fighting on a trapeze. Okay, and it's Kate McKinnon doing the fighting on a trapeze. <laughs> like, sure, cool, and yeah, I mean, it was a fun movie. It's not a great movie. Yeah, I mean, but it's like, it's popcorn fluff. It's definitely, like, compared to what else is available out there, yeah, it's you would recommend this over those. I Because I watched that one first, and then the Mega Man 22. Okay. So my enjoyment slowly decreased as the month of uh, August went, dragged on. But then the thing is, like, when you would watch something like Mel 22 in the Mega, and then you just, like, were sitting there in the cinema thinking, you know what, Spy with Dummy was not bad. Yeah, <laughs> no, <laughs> Compared to this. No, I walked up thinking, oh, we generally enjoyed this. Okay. And then I looked at the Rotten Tomatoes afterwards, and I saw that it got mixed to negative reviews. Yeah, normal for movies like this because yeah. I think, especially when, to me, it, it maybe what you're affected with was like tonally, it's a little bit imbalanced where it's like trying to be a comedy and like accidental spy movie and at yeah. the same time still have like pretty hard edgy action. Like I will admit that it did feel a little bit schizophrenic. Okay. But the thing is, I was able to overlook it because I just enjoyed the mm. two leads so goddamn much. All right. I, honestly, I want to watch more movies where it's just those two doing literally anything. But I think basically, did they set up a sequel at all in the ending? Uh, Well, it ends with them becoming spies. Like, okay. that's one thing I'll, I'll spoil, that they actually get employed by CIA. And of they course, become, how else uh, yeah, uh, like and the then movies like this end? It ends with them partway through a mission. That's very cliche though. It's like basically, it's extremely you, cliche. you could be a good spy and okay, we now honor. It's how True Lies ended as well. Yes, that's exactly how True Lies ended as well. Then again, so like, I don't know, for me, like, I haven't seen this movie yet and like, uh, based on what you told me, is like, I don't, I don't think I need to watch it because it's like, yeah, I've seen movies like this before I mean, and I, w- I don't know if it does anything different. No, I mean, if you find yourself at a loose end and it's on Netflix, it's definitely worth your time. It's, a, it's got a giggle or two at least. Um, I mean, I was laughing out loud at certain points mm-hmm. and there were some parts where I actually like, you know, the kind of like, the reaction I make when I'm laughing and kind of recoiling and horror at the same time. Okay. And there's a great gag with a thumb. Like uh, they have to remove a thumb uh, for like a biometric print. Okay. So she stick uh, Mila Kunis sticks it into a lipstick holder, and uh, like you know, 
uh, someone comes over and just like opens it and turns it and the thumb comes out like, you know, I was thinking a thousand things. Thumb wasn't one of them when I opened up this lipstick. <laughs> it's like, oh, that's a good joke. That that was well written. That that had set up in premise. Yeah. Um, and on that note. And on that note, the spy who dumped me. Look at us not dumping all over this movie. No, I mean, it's a six out of ten. Six out of ten? Yeah, I mean. Worth your money, sir. Yeah, I would say you would not be disappointed if you spent money to watch it. Okay. It's definitely borrowing heavily from stuff that come before yeah and it's relying very heavily on the talent but the talent is so good that yeah it's forgivable yeah i mean you you go along for the ride and i have to say there's definitely some stunt casting like Hasan minaj is definitely thing of oh you had a netflix special and now you're going to do your solo he's got a talk show going on right now yeah he's left the daily show yeah for it so i guess it's you know good uh cross promotion for him but it was nice to see him not be him that shows that he can be an actor if he wants to yeah so yeah i recommend it to uh to you boys and girls on the the last podcast yeah so a heavy recommendation there from uh, eccentric tom for the spy who dumped me so uh don't watch mal 22 don't watch the meg watch spy who dumped me yeah if you want to if you've got time yes so uh catch it before you know september starts yeah so okay so this has been your uh co-host dr shavik this has been your other co-host eccentric tom And we've been the Luskin Podcast. Bye-bye.